few months ago, my wife and I were discussing the idea of a garage sale. And uh, I'm not going to say who was for it and who was against it. One of us was for it and thought it would be a good use of time and thought we'd probably make some money. The other thought it would probably be a waste of time and we wouldn't make much money at all. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who was right or who was wrong because it's not really about that. Especially about humiliating someone in front of others. And so I want to just be careful about not doing that today. But in preparation for the garage sale, we were getting all kinds of stuff out of our basement. And all, you know, all the depths of your house comes out. And so we had this one oven, this old oven that was in our basement that we had put down there years ago when we renovated. And we just decided, you know, let's try to sell this thing. And so I said to my son, Cade, you know, come help me lift this thing up, man. And so we, we brought it all the way up the stairs. It was heavy, man. It was hard. We brought it all the way up the stairs and then realized that the way we carried it up was the wrong way and we needed to rotate it. And so because our, our stairway is so short or, or narrow, rather, we weren't able to rotate it. So we had to bring it back down. We rotated it. And then as we picked it up with our sheer strength and huge muscles, it fell forward and crashed on the ground. I was like, yes, right? All that effort for nothing. I hate it when things break. And I would say right now that you would agree with me that our nation is broken in lots of different ways, that there's just so much disunity, there's so much anger, there's so much violence, there's so much godlessness, there's so much fear in our nation right now. And here in this series, we're talking about this question, what would it take for God to change all that, to begin to do a new thing in our nation? Is America hopeless? Is there just no future for us? Or could God do something radical and powerful and necessary in this hour to make a huge difference? What would it take for God to reach our nation, our local community? What would it take for God to do unprecedented things in our lives, in our marriages, with our kids, with our futures as we think about the next steps? What would it take for God to just do something so incredibly powerful? And so last week we looked at a a promise that God gave his people in a book called 2 Chronicles. And we don't necessarily have the same promise as we talked about last week. But we do believe that the same types of things that we're going to read about here in this promise that God gave his people a long, long time ago, those same things still move the heart of God today. And so let me just remind you, as, as God spoke to the people of Israel, his people, as they were dedicating the, the temple that Solomon built, let me remind you of those verses. This is around 10th century B.C. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Guys, four things that God says. Hey, you want to see me show up in your nation? And again, this is a long, long time ago. This is thousands of years ago. God looks at his people knowing the day would come that they would be far from him and they would be a broken land. Says, hey, if you will humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from your evil ways, I will hear your prayer from heaven and I will heal your land. Right? And in this series we talked last week, we began to discover that there was this pattern with God's people back in the day. And it went like this. It was disobedience, discipline, devotion, deliverance. Disobedience, uh, discipline, devotion, deliverance. Over and over and over again, as you read through the Old Testament, you see this pattern going on. And I really believe, as I said last week, I think that our nation, we've been in a pattern of disobedience for a long time now, and I think we're in some discipline right now. And so what's next? Well, what's next, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our evil ways, I believe what's next is devotion, that season of devotion, then deliverance, right? And so, man, our prayer together is that God would do something great. And last week we looked at 
humility. We looked at that first part, humble ourselves, that we would just recognize that we have been trying to do it our own way for far too long. And as we saw in that verse, God says, if my people will do these things, which remember, we're so good at looking outside the walls and saying, if all those people will finally get their act together. No, 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 no. This verse says, if we, if thus, uh, all of us who woke up early to get to church on Sunday morning, if we will do these things, then God will show up in a powerful and unprecedented way. And so today I want to talk with you about the next two. We're going to tackle two of these today, and it's because they're very closely linked. And so today I want to talk with you about prayer and seeking God's face. They're closely linked, but there is a difference which I want you to see as we kind of move things on. You see, prayer, I think, is one thing, but I think seeking the face of God kind of takes it up a notch, okay? And so we're going to talk about how all this plays out as we look at this here today. But I want you to just just feel how important it is that we are people who are praying and seeking the face of God. So let's start with a little history lesson. So about 18 years ago, I can't even believe it's true, but almost 18 years ago, Kelly and I came to Living Word Church to begin working with youth, and we had six kids, six, six young, sixth and seventh graders, actually they were seventh and eighth graders at the time. And you know what? I had gone to school for youth ministry. I had worked at a church previously, actually two churches previously, working with kids, and I'd seen God do some cool things. So I kind of came into this with these six kids like, oh, come on, this is going to be great. You know, no, no sweat, man, no sweat. We got this, you know. And I got to tell you, for a long time, I tried all the stuff I knew to do. We did all the trips I knew to do. We played all the stupid games youth pastors know to play. We had this one in particular, Brianna will remember this one. We had this one in particular where you would take ginger ale and you would take a banana. And supposedly there's a chemical reaction when you try to eat a banana and sip ginger ale that makes it impossible to swallow and you end up spitting it out into the sink. And so we did this over and over and over again. And wonder why the youth group wasn't growing, right? And so as this is going on, It's like the same six kids. And I love these six kids. I'm so thankful for them. But we weren't reaching any new kids. And I don't really know that the six kids that were there were being taken all that much deeper in their relationship with God. And so I began to just kind of search and go, God, what's the answer here? Like, how are you going to reach this broken generation, right? These, These lost middle school and high school students on Long Island. And I began to just search around, and I found this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and it was written by a pastor from New York City who years ago basically was experiencing the same thing I was experiencing, except he was experiencing as a senior pastor and not a youth pastor. And he had 10, 15, 20 people in his church, and it just seemed like every time they showed up, it was just the same old thing, and they weren't really growing in God. They weren't seeing God do exciting things in their community. And they began to pray. And they began to seek the face of God. And they began to see big life change happen. And this was huge for me. And I began to say, oh, wow, what if, right? I took these six kids. What if? And Kelly and I would just begin to say, what if we began to just seek the face of God together, guys? What if we began to pray? What if we left the ginger ale and bananas on the side, right? And we began to really seek the face of God and ask him to move in your age group and ask him to reach the kids of Long Island. That something powerful would happen. And these six kids, by God's grace, took us up on it. And we went hard after God. Friday night, actually at the time it was Wednesday night after Wednesday night, Wednesday night youth group, we used to just see God's face together. And then we began to see God bring some kids in. And then we began to see those kids really experience God for themselves. And then we began to see multitudes of kids come in and God do something incredible. It was so powerful. We had prayed and we had sought the face of God and we had seen him make a difference in a broken generation. 
Then God began to put on my heart, hey, let's do a night service. We should do a night service for you know, people on the weekend. And so we began this, it actually started on Saturday night, a Saturday night service, which did not work, and we turned it into the Sunday night service. And so same kind of situation. We started with about 10 young adults, 10 college students, young professionals. And you know what? We didn't try any ginger ale banana stuff, but we had those 10 people for quite some time. But we just sought the face of God, and we prayed, and we said, God, we believe that there are young, young students, college students, young professionals. There are a bunch of people on this island who are, for, for whatever reason, when they graduate youth group, they're graduating their faith, and we don't want that to happen anymore, God. We want to be this segue between you know, youth group and, and big church, so to speak, right? And so we sought the face of God together. Next thing we know, God begins to bring in young adults and college students, and, and we begin to see an amazing new work of God's presence and it was so cool because, you know, whether it was the middle schoolers on, on Wednesday nights that would come, that we began to see a change. And I would get calls from parents, and the parents would say, I don't know what you guys are doing over there, man, but I tell you what, my kid leaves our house and walks through your door one way and comes home a different way. And then I begin to explain to them that we were actually cloning the kids at the church and sending home the clones, and that's why they seemed a little different, a little bit off, you know. But it was just so incredible to see God respond. And God work. And God say, hey, if you will pray, and if you will cry out to me, and if you will seek my face, you watch what I will do. Now, guys, back in the day, we had a burden for the middle school and the high school students of Long Island. They were on the line. And then we had a burden for the college students and young professionals of Long Island. They were on the line. But now, guys, I believe our nation's on the line. Like, that was a big fight back in the day. And God won it, right? But, but I think we have a, a, a way bigger fight right now for our nation. And if we're going to get anywhere in this, then we've got to be people who are praying and seeking the face of God. And so today I want to convince you that prayer is powerful. And then I want to help you see what seeking God's face is really all about. And so we're going to look at James chapter 5 and just be reminded of something. And sometimes I forget this. Often I forget this. Or often I think you and I even struggle just to believe it's true or true of us. And so look what it says in, in verse 16. James says this, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now why should we take James seriously? Well, let's remember that James was related to this guy named Jesus, right? And James uh, saw this Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God putting a a grave and then rise back from the dead. So this guy, James, knows something about seeing powerful and effective things. But right off the bat, isn't it true that you and I look at what was just said in that verse and there's one word in there that we must figure rules us out from praying powerful and effective prayers, right? You go, oh, well, Doug, that says it's the righteous person. See, when the righteous person prays, man, some big things happen. But Doug, the problem is I'm not righteous. Okay, so let's just start there because we got to get all the excuses and all the objections out of the way, right? No, no, no. If you put your trust in Jesus, you are righteous. We may not always act righteously, but we are right before God. That's what that word means. We are right before God because of what Jesus did. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be right before God, not because you have done good deeds or bad deeds. No, because Jesus has paid the sacrifice, paid the ultimate price for you and I to be righteous, to know him. So don't think for a second that verse doesn't apply to you because you're not righteous. And then to prove the point, James shows us something powerful that I want you to see here in just a minute. 
But before we get there, I just want you to be reminded how powerful the prayers, how effective the prayers are. And so we've been talking about our new church property a lot lately, but it's just so exciting to be there. And we get to work there throughout the week, and, and I, I was just doing sort of a prayer walk on the property the other day, and I'm just, I'm just like shaking my head. I'm just like laughing. I'm like smiling. I'm like, this is just crazy what God has done. And as I was walking on the property, the thought occurred to me, I wonder in comparison to this property, how much property we used to own at the old building. And so I may have trespassed and gone back to the old building. Now, they can't kick me off there, man. Do you know how many Friday nights I played kickball on that parking lot? Do you know how many Christmases when it was freezing out, I was on that roof putting lights up there? Do you know how many times I may have jumped off that roof into a blow-up bouncer? I'm not going to tell you how many times. But I'll tell you what, they have no right to kick me off. And so I just walked the property. I just paced it out. And then I came back to the new property, and I paced out the same exact steps there. And so here's a little picture of the architects. This is just like an initial drawing. Some of you guys have seen this. This is now what we own. And the red box that's about to come up is what we used to own. You guys can put that next picture up. So there in comparison is what we used to own. Can I, can I just tell you something? We have been praying for what was next after that little red box for well over a decade. And can I tell you something? The prayers we prayed didn't always feel effective. In fact, there were many days we were walking through the office. I remember I was at a pastor's meeting, Suffolk County pastor's meeting, probably 50 pastors in the room. And we gathered together just to kind of, you know, we love each other. I'm friends with tons of the pastors on Long Island. We gathered together just to say, hey, where's God leading everybody? And where's your church? And what are you up to? And, and it was right about the time we were, we were selling the old property. And I literally got up before 50 pastors, and they're all going, oh, well, we're over here, and we're going to plan the campus there, and we got this plan and that plan. I literally stood up and said, my name's Doug, I'm from Living Word Church, and I have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Didn't feel effective then. But I'll tell you what, guys, those prayers were powerful and effective. And you know what? As you and I think about God showing up and healing our broken land, we got to get past some of the feeling of it and some of the, you know, oh, I don't know if I'm feeling this today and I don't know if I'm in for this right now. And we've got to just say, God, we're desperate for you to come and heal our land. And so just to show you, though, the power of the prayer, but also the normalness of the person praying it, look what James says about somebody that lived a long time ago, Elijah. He lived back in 870 B.C. And this is what it says. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Okay, now this is really important and encouraging because James is about to tell us about a big prayer that Elijah prayed. But first he wants us to know that Elijah was just like you and me. And sometimes we look at the people in the Bible and we think, oh man, they're all superheroes. They are all superheroes, right? Yesterday I was at my sister's house and my little nephew, uh, Josiah, Kelly and I love to mess with him. She was calling him Brian. I was calling him Roger all day just to mess with him, you know, whatever. And so he kept looking back. He looked back at me. He goes, my name's Thor, right? Okay. <laughs> Guys, we think Thor prayed these prayers, you know? We think these were incredible, incredible men and women in the Bible. But do you know what? They were just like you and me. And then it says this. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, why would he do that? This was not like a practical joke, okay? It wasn't like all the other kids were showing off their talents. This guy's doing a backflip. This guy's doing the robot. And Elijah's like, watch this, you know? Like, that's not what was going on here. What was going on? Well, again, it's a situation of a broken land. It's a bunch of people who were far from God. 
And to, again, same cycle, right? Same cycle we've been talking about, disobedience. So what's the next one? Discipline. And so God actually disciplined the people, again, out of love to draw them back to himself, to draw them back to what was good and right. He disciplined them for a season, and this was part of the discipline. And so James hears from God that this is part of the plan, and he prays this powerful prayer. But then God, as the people devoted themselves, brought deliverance. Look what it says. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Guys, so not only do we see that prayer is powerful and effective, we see God being merciful to another broken land to another bunch of broken people who were far from him. And God showing up and saying, hey, prayer works. Prayer is powerful. It's effective. It doesn't always feel effective. You don't always have the goosebumps. You don't always see visions. You don't always, you know, walking on water. But man, I'll tell you what, prayer is powerful and effective. And if our nation has a shot, we got to be a bunch of praying people. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, right? If my people will do that, God says. And so I want to ask you, to be praying for our nation like never before. Be praying for our leaders like never before. Be praying for our local community like never before. Be crying out to God to do a new thing. Man, guys, we want this, don't we? We want this for ourselves, but don't we want it for our kids? Don't we want it for our grandkids? Don't we want it for the generations to come? We desperately need God to do something radical in our land. Let's take it up a notch. Let's talk about seeking God's face. You might say, I don't really see the difference, right? Well, let me help you understand it. See, if you and I went out to lunch today after church, and before we ate at Bobby's or somewhere holy like that, and, and we began to dig in, right? Because Chick-fil-A is closed. we got to go somewhere else holy, right? And so we began to eat, or before we eat, rather, I, I said, all right, hey, let's just pray. And I said, God, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for this food. Somehow figure out how to bless through our bodies, and we just thank you for this time. Amen, right? We would all agree on something. We would all agree that we just prayed, but we'd all agree on something else. We did not seek God's face right? We prayed, but we didn't seek God's face. And let me just say, little prayer etiquette, I don't think the time to seek God's face is before a meal, right? Okay? I don't need you praying for the missionaries in Africa when my chicken parm's getting cold, right? I, we'll do that later, but God, my grandma was the master at this. She was a godly woman. This woman prayed, and she sought the face of God. I'm, I think I'm largely who I am today because of praying grandma Adele Jansen, okay? And this lady would kill it right before prayer time. I mean, right before meal time. She would just go for it. And this one time, our family, I think it was like Thanksgiving or something, we said, hey, when grandma is finally done praying, like we planned this beforehand, it's terrible. When she's finally done praying, let's all pretend to be asleep, right? Because grandma would go on that long. So she's praying for the president and the nation and world peace and world diplomacy and the missionaries in Antarctica. And she's just going for it. And she finally opens her eyes and we're all snoring. My dad's head's in the plate, you know. And she lost it. She was laughing so hard, which is a miracle because three of us in the room were pastors. So I don't know how God blessed that at all. But, but, you know, some of us, man, we, we understand what it is, like Grandma did, to seek God's face, right? And so what does it really look like? What's the difference between just praying and kind of seeking him, his face? Well, first off, i got to tell you something. We don't use this terminology, but we are masters of seeking certain things' face, like, like, we're masters of seeking things out with all of our heart. We're great at it. I don't have to teach one of you in this room today how to get passionate about something and then seek it out with all that you are. Like, you're great at it. Some of us are seeking Netflix with all that we are right now. Some of us are seeking video games or a job or our schooling or my son Cade. Um, 
my son Cade recently was able to start using social media, and so he made an Instagram, and, and I said, uh, Cade, do you guys, like Kelly and I said, do you want to make a Facebook? He goes, Facebook's for old people. I said, oh, really? You call me old, and your allowance is half of what it used to be. Half of zero is still zero, right? Is that, okay. No, don't feel bad. He gets an allowance. He's allowed to live in my house. He's allowed to eat my food. He's got a huge allowance, this kid, right? But some of us, man, if we're honest, we, we seek social media with all our heart, man. We know how to seek its face, right? Some of us, man, we're, we're just so tied up in our relationship. We love music so much. Like, we do not need to learn how to seek something's face. My job today is just to redirect that passion, to seek another face. That you and I, with the same passion, the same heart, would be able to say, God, we're going to come after you like that. Like all those other things we look at, all those other things that we're chasing so hard, God, we're going to come after you. And so what does it look like to seek the face of God? I want to look at another time in history, another broken land, another broken people. Look what it says around 597 B.C., The land was so broken, the people had been exiled, which means in this cycle of discipline, they had actually been taken away from their land. Like, so just imagine that. You and I go home tonight, and then half of us are ripped away to another nation, leaving our families uprooted from all that we have and all that we know, and basically slaves in a foreign land. That's how broken this land was. That's what had happened in this time of discipline. Jeremiah 29, verse 10 says this, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, so these people have been taken off to Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Guys, can I just tell you something? All right, America's in a rough spot. But think about how broken this land was. Think about the fact that God had to bring such intense levels of discipline that the people were uprooted like this, right? I believe if there was hope for that broken land, there is hope for our broken land. And then it goes on. This is one of the most famous verses in the Bible, beautiful verse, but I really want to get to what's after it. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's beautiful. I love it. I pray this for our nation, but I really love the verses after it even more. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. What was he saying? Prayer is powerful. Seeking the face of God is powerful. When your land is broken, if you will do these things, once again we're seeing this theme. That's why I think these promises, though not given to us directly, still move the heart of God today. Because again, we're seeing three different broken lands here so far today. Three different time periods in Israel's history when the land was broken. And God said, hey, here's how to fix it. Here's what, here's what to do. Seek me, right? But verse 13, I love, man. This is one of my life verses. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with half of your heart. No, it's not what it says, right? Some of you guys are like, what? Like, I was playing Tetris, and all of a sudden, what? What was that, right? No, when you seek me with all of your heart, right? When you seek me with all that you have. Guys, this promise was given to a very sinful, distracted group of people whose land was more broken than ours. And God says, hey, America, right? If I could put it that way today. Hey, America, I'll tell you what, you're broken right now, but if you would seek me with all of your heart, then you will find me. This verse is near and dear to my heart because when Kelly and I had those six kids, we clung to this verse right here, this verse. Oh God, we believe that if we seek you with all our heart, God, not distracted, not half-hearted, God, but if we came to you with everything, with that passion and that fire deep down in our soul that we seek all those other things with, 
God, we believe that you will show up. And I got to tell you, sometimes it didn't feel like those prayers were effective. There was Wednesday night after Wednesday night where those prayers didn't seem all that effective. But eventually we saw that God showed up. We saw that he responded to those prayers and seeking his face with all that we were. And then this was, again, a huge thing for us. In fact, I recently found the, the message notes from the very first night service that we ever did. And guess what verse I brought up? This one. We stood up with those 10 or whatever college students, man. I was, I was the greeting team. I was the production team. I was the worship team. I was the preacher. I was the prayer team. I'm so thankful for all of our staff and teams now because there just was nobody to do it. I would get up on the stage and start leading the band in practice, run back, fix something on the soundboard, run back up, and then I'd, we'd finish. Then I'd go out and greet people at the front as they came in, and then we'd lead worship, and then I'd put the guitar down, and I'd preach, and then I'd pick it back up and lead worship again, and then people would come up and we'd pray. And, oh, thank you, Jesus, for today, man. But I'll tell you what, with those 10 people clinging to this, that God, we're going to seek you with all that we are. We're going to search for you. God, with all that we have, we found him, guys. We found him together. And God began to do an amazing, beautiful thing. And guys, I got to tell you today, I believe the same can be true. That as we seek God's face. It's more than just praying. It's more than just thank you for today, God. And you know me. I'm all about keeping the conversation going all day long. I'm all about the little prayers throughout the day, peppered in, keeping God, you know, keeping the phone out, so to speak, keeping the line open. Oh, God, I'm going to speak to you all throughout the day. God, thank you for this meal. God, thank you for that friend. God, pray for that professor. God, pray for my boss today, God. Just all that. That's important. That's great. But there's a difference then when we go, no, I'm going to seek God's face for my nation. I'm going to cry out to him to show up. And guys, I want you to think for a minute, haven't we discovered that half-hearted doesn't really work on anything in life, you know? Like, and the whole feeling thing, I'm not really feeling it today, God. Well, can I ask you a question? How many of you guys were feeling it when you ran laps around the field? You weren't feeling that. You were feeling game day, right? I want to be on the field on game day. I want coach to put me in, so I'll run the laps. Some of you guys are gifted musicians, and you practice for hours and hours and hours. Your fingers bled. You're, you got calluses all over you. You weren't feeling that. You were feeling the day you were on the stage. And some of you guys had a vision for being at a certain level of profession, and everybody else had done their whatever amount of years in college, but you did like another eight. You weren't feeling those bills. You weren't feeling the hours of studying. You weren't feeling finals. You were feeling that one day it'd all be worth it. And guys, the same is true for you and I. Sometimes we're so feeling led. Lord, I would pray right now. I'm just not feeling this right now. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, man, we got to get desperate, right? All the passion and, and the heart we put into all the other things, we need to say, oh, God, this is the biggest deal in the whole world. This is the biggest deal in the whole world. We're fighting for our nation right now. And so I think it's time for you and I to say, God, we love you. We're thankful for what you've done. I mean, Praise you for America. Thank you for it. And, and God, we're, we're going to pray about it, but we're going we're gonna to seek with all we got, all we got. We're coming right now, God. We're coming right now for you. And there's this beautiful thing about seeking God, seeking his face. Think about that original promise that we looked at, right? If they'll seek my face. Think about that. God doesn't say if they'll seek my hand, right? And it's okay to seek the hand of God. That's when we say, oh, God, I need some provision. I need some healing. I need some direction. That's fine. That's great. Do it, please, Right? But then, what is it like to seek the face of God? Well, think about how personal the face is. Right? We talk 
We look each other in the face. People in love get lost in each other's face. Parents get lost in the cuteness of their kids' little face, right? And God says, hey, I want you to seek my face. In other words, God's saying to us, seek me for me, right? Seek me for who I am. If you'll become enthralled with who I am, watch the things that I will show up and do in your lives and in your nation. Just so we don't have any doubt if it's going to be worth it to seek God, look what he says here. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It's going to be worth it. The prayers may not always feel effective. You may not always be feeling it. But as you seek the face of God, and as you and I cry out for God to do amazing things in our lives and in our local community, and I really want to say that I think sometimes we get lost in the bigness of praying for our nation. That feels just like so like big. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do with that. And I would say, let's, let's keep rolling with that. But, but if we can also just say, like, a part of our nation is what? It's our local community. It's seeking the face of God for Hopog and Smithdown and Wisconsin and, and Lake Grove and Center Reach and Islip and, and Kings Park and Comac and all these other places, Babylon and Deer Park and Selden and Corum and St. James. You all know the names on Long Island. I don't have to keep going, right? Like, like we, I'm trying not to leave anybody out. I'm like, they know where they live, okay? And so, like, just seeking the face of God for this, right? Just reminding ourselves that part of God healing our broken land is him healing, like, right here, right here, and coming up and doing powerful things in our lives. And can I just remind you too today, that seeking God's face is a beautiful thing. Like, I hope you don't think today that I'm putting a weight on you or this burden on you like, ah, oh, gosh, I guess I, just, guess I gotta seek God's face now. Like, you know what happens when we seek God's face, right? You know the joy that follows. You know the healing that comes. You know the fulfillment it brings. You know the hope that it stirs up, you know, the, the closeness. You felt the presence of God before, right? That, that nearness to him, like that happens when we seek his face and when we search for him with all of our heart. And along with those things, God may just heal our land. And so what, what are we looking at here today? I mean, we're looking at three different broken lands, but we're looking at the same God saying, pray and seek me and search for me with all your heart and turn from what well, we'll get into turn next week. I want to invite you back for turn next week. Invite some friends. Invite some friends to our two morning services that we talk about what it looks like to turn our back. And I want to remind you next week how empty all that stuff we chase is, how empty all that stuff that has so much of our attention is as we talk about turning from it. But man, this God who is saying, pray and seek my face and search for me with all your heart and guess what's going to happen? I'm going to show up. And I love that all three of these things we looked at today were given in the context of broken lands. And so really what I believe today, the heart God has for me to encourage you with and challenge you with is that healing is on the horizon as we pray and seek God's face. I believe that. I believe that. Healing is on the horizon as we pray and seek God's face. And so what does this look like for you? What does it look like for me? Well, again, I, I just encourage you to be those kind of people who are plugged into Jesus, who are connected to him, who are in conversation with him and talking with him and believing for big things. But I want to challenge you to a couple things this week. First one, what would it look like for you to do some fasting and praying this week? What if we as a church did some of that together? What if we gave up something that normally we seek the face of and instead we seek the face of God? Some of us need to give up Netflix for the week or TV for the week or Facebook or social media for the week. All the old people would give up Facebook uh, for the week. Um, 
Some of us in the room, man, we just got to, maybe it's going to be some type of food or maybe it's going to be a meal a day or it's going to be some kind of coffee. Lord, help us, Jesus, on Long Island without our coffee. You might murder someone, so maybe don't do that one if, if you kill someone. But, um, you know, what is it for you? I don't know, what do you, what do you normally seek the face of? And what does it look like just to say, you know what, this week I'm just not going to seek its face. And I'm going to replace it with a, a, a week, God. And this is powerful, man. A few hundred of us do this together. Man, God will be doing some powerful things. And so I encourage you to do that. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is this is a right here, right now thing. After our last closing song here in just a few minutes, we're going to just gather whoever wants to right over here, right over here in this section. Our prayer team will be set up to pray for you if you have a personal need. But we're just going to come right here, and we're going to just pray and seek God's face together for a little while, for specifically for our nation. And you know what? If you have to, oh, I got kids, go get them and bring them back. Cool. Let's let this make a, a family thing out of it. That would be incredible. But what if we just stay together here and we seek God's face? Oh, but I got to get to soccer and I got the thing. And I, All right, man. But, but what if we just get together and we seek God's face here for a little while and believe that prayers are powerful and effective and that they make an impact and that healing is on the horizon as we pray and seek God's face? I tell you, prayer is powerful and effective. Some of you guys remember that book I brought up earlier, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And one of the stories, either in it or one of its follow-up books by the same pastor, talks about how they sought the face of God and the church began to really make an impact on its community in the city. And suddenly, some things started to kind of fall apart in, in, in this guy's personal life. His daughter, who was a teenager at the time, began to make some really terrible decisions and began to just get to the point where she alienated herself from the family. She moved out. She ran away, basically. And they had no contact with her. And this guy's heart was just completely broken. And he says he would just weep. And, and in the midst of that, his wife fell into such a deep depression, she started talking about taking her life. And, and this man was like, wow. So we sought God, and, and all of a sudden the church begins to make this great impact and reach all these people, and now my personal life's falling apart. And so this one Tuesday night, he was at a prayer meeting at his church, and and the church knew what he was going through. He was, he was very transparent with his congregation. And the church said, Pastor, can we just come around you? Can we just pray for your daughter? And they gathered around him. And they began to cry out to God together. And they didn't just pray. No, they sought the face of God together about this. And at the end of the night, he went back home. And his wife hadn't been at the prayer meeting. And he walked in. She said, how'd it go tonight? And he said, it's over. She said, what's over? And he said, this fight for our daughter is over. And she said, how do you know? He said, if you were there, if you were in the room and you heard the way our church prayed for our daughter tonight, you would know it's over. 36 hours later, his daughter walks through the door, falls down on her face, weeping, says, daddy, so sorry, I sinned against you. And I sinned against mom and I sinned against God. And she said this, who did you have praying for me Tuesday night? And he says, why? He says, we had the church praying for you Tuesday night. She said, dad, I had a horrible nightmare. I had a nightmare. I was headed toward the abyss. And right before I went over the edge, Jesus met me there. And he grabbed me. And he didn't yell at me. He just loved me. And he said, he has a future for me. And he said, he has so much to do through my life. That lady now today, serving God. She's making a great impact for the kingdom 
of God. Because prayer is powerful and effective. And seeking the face of God is powerful and effective. And you know what? Our nation might be headed toward the abyss. But we have a God who still sees hope. A God who still loves us. And a God, I believe, who still sees a future. And so will you see God this week and beyond. Will you cry out to God? Will you pray and seek his face? And we just may see him come and heal our broken land. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I would just encourage you as I close in just a minute to, to pray with me and give you some words to say. They're not magic words. They're just words that can be, help you begin a conversation with Jesus. I remember earlier I said that no one in this room is righteous because of anything we've done right with God. None of us, not me, not anybody in this place, we're right with God only because Jesus died for us and he rose back from the dead. And if you're struggling to believe that, I'd love to talk with you because I struggled to believe that for a long time too. But if you're ready to put your trust in him today, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. But church, let's get passionate. Let's seek the face of God. I would encourage you before you walk out of these doors today, and maybe even during this little prayer right now, to really come to terms with God. What is it gonna be for this week? Because we all know what we do. Like, I'll think about it. And then we get home and then, oh man, Netflix, they just brought that new show today and now I gotta, right? No, 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 decide today. All right, no coffee for the week, no this for the week, no that for the week. And then go for it. And please, please join us over here on this side of the room at the end of the service as we pray together for a few minutes. Because I really believe that healing is on the horizon as we pray and seek God's face. God, we love you so much and we just come to you today a very, very needy people in a very desperate time. But God, I thank you that we saw three different times in your word today, three different broken lands, some that were in worse shape than ours. And God, you told them to pray. And you told them to seek your face. And so God, we thank you that we have these patterns. We thank you that we have a guy like Elijah who was like us, who sought your face and saw great things happen for his nation. We thank you, God, for the words that were spoken. And we thank you, God, that now we get to get, get a hold of those things and bring them deep in our heart. And we get to get passionate about them and fired up about them and see them make an impact. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to just say, oh God, help me to be someone who prays and seeks your face. If you don't know how to pray, we would love to help you learn how to pray. If you don't know what that looks like, myself or the guy Joe who did the announcements, we have a heart to help walk you through what it looks like just to talk to Jesus. But if you're a follower of him today, I would encourage you just to seek him like never before. And again, don't get lost in the bigness of our nation. Let's think locally as well. Heal this broken land of Long Island right here, Lord. Come through, Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to pray with me now. Jesus, thank you so much that, God, you want to make me right with you. Jesus, I recognize today that I've done stuff that's wrong. And there's no way I could make myself right or righteous. But I thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything necessary to make me right with God. So Jesus, show me what it is to follow you and I thank you for this gift of salvation. Before we open our eyes today, we make it a point to be praying for everybody who puts their trust in Jesus for the first time. And so if you did that today, I would love for you to just look me in the eyes really quickly so that I can be keeping you in prayer this week. So if there's anybody that did that, just shoot a quick glance up to me and then we'll be praying for you throughout this week. Anybody here in the room? So I just make my way through the middle here. 
to the other side. So Jesus, we give you praise today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. Just keep everybody close to you. And we praise you for those today who have looked to you in your name.